The right optics. All the color, trends and voices. From Silmo 2022. Presented by Nick Koffer. Welcome back to Paris for Silmo 2022. I promised you a bonus episode and here it is. I was walking around the trade fair when I was stopped by a man who wanted to say to me that he really loved my glasses. And I guess that shouldn't have been a surprise as that man was Blake Kuwahara and I was wearing one of his frames. So I grabbed my microphone and we recorded a very impromptu chat. I really loved speaking to Blake. More than 30 years of passion, expertise, creativity, all condensed into 15 minutes of warmth and real genuine humanity. When we sat down, I started by telling Blake that his face had really lit up when he saw his glasses being worn. And I asked him whether seeing his frames out in the wild is what he loves the most about being a designer. You know, I think what we do is, you know, we do it for ourselves, we do it for our business, but the, at the end of the day, we want our product worn by the end consumer. So, especially in an environment like SOMO, uh, where the, it's, you know, trade related and um, the opticians have so many different frames to choose from. If they choose to wear yours, I think that's a great honor and privilege. So for me, it's sort of validation. Um, I've been doing and designing eyewear now for over 30 years, but I think we still have our own insecurities and we want to see our product actually worn on somebody. And that means really a lot to, to us. And it's very inspiring actually. And I guess also part of it is the validation of your opticians, of your of your clients. I bought these um, in St Albans, at Eyes on St Albans from Jez. And and when you see someone wearing your product and you see that it's been well fitted, I mean, I can tell you that I tried, I would say about 20 frames to end up with these. It must be reassuring and rather lovely for you when you see your customers, your, your stores, doing what you want them to do, which is putting the right frame on the right face. Exactly, because it's not just about fashion. You know, there's this functional component to it. I'm actually an optometrist by profession, so I got my doctorate in optometry in California. And so for me, when I started designing eyewear, my perspective was a little bit different. It wasn't just about the aesthetics, but it was just as much about the form and functionality of the glasses and the fit. Because as you know, we're not just uh, a fashion accessory, we're also medical device in part. So the fitting values are very important, the engineering, the construction. I spend just as much time doing that than I do sort of on the aesthetics. So to see our glasses worn properly, fit properly, but also on a demographic that I designed for. So, you know, you're hip, cool dude. You're in the, you know, That's exactly <laughs> right. You're in the entertainment industry. And, you know, so you're, it, it, it's nice to see everything sort of line up and that at the end of the day, uh, we're, we're moving in the right direction. We're doing things uh, with the right end result. So you're you. right. I am uh, from the entertainment industry. I'm not from the optics world. And I'm coming here with, with, with the eyes, no pun intended, of an outsider. Uh, and one of the things that has really struck me is the number of designers who are opticians and, uh, and trained opticians at the origin. Um, this journey from being fascinated around eyesight to then wanting to create the frames to carry those prescriptions is actually quite common, isn't it? You know, it's in the United States, um, for an optician to go into optical design is a lot more common than an optometrist to go into eyewear design. I came the optometry route. And, you know, for me, I enjoyed being an optometrist, but I didn't enjoy being in a dark room for eight hours a day, you know, which is better one or two and examining eyeballs. I actually enjoyed being in the front of the house more than in the back of the house seeing patients. And that was sort of my journey. That sort of made me 
rethink my pathway. And one of the reasons why I got into optometry was the medical component to it. And the fashion component was sort of secondary. And then things sort of turned around. It became the opposite. I enjoyed more the fashion component uh, than I did sort of the medical side of things. Um, but it's important to know both aspects because, you know, we're not just designing a fashion accessory. Uh, they have to carry lenses. We have to understand prescriptions. We have to understand the optics. And I think opticians who become eyewear designers are a little bit more sensitive to that than people who come from an industrial design background or from a fashion perspective. So I was chatting to uh, Gay Garrado on, on LA Eyeworks, someone I think you know well and who I think you've yes. worked with uh, back in the day. And what was really interesting chatting to her? So she's been 40 years plus doing what you do. And I noticed two things. One is how much she cares about getting it right. And one is how little she cares about getting it right. Now, let me explain <laughs> what I mean by that. So she is passionate about getting the design right but she trusts herself. So she's not, in effect, pandering or, or, or trying to adapt to what she thinks people want. What she's doing is creating great frames. And what I know about your brand, I would say, is that you come from a very similar principle. You trust your artistic gut and you know what you think will work. You know, it's what we do is more than just design. And, um, you know, we're not creating art. We're creating art that can be worn on the face and so you have to have a, a pragmatic approach as well I think and that's sort of where I come from and when it comes to you know design and fashion nobody really has a crystal ball and you have to go with your gut and you have to understand what you want to wear what you think is right for your brand and what you think your customers are going to want to wear if you listen to too many voices you listen to the sales team you listen to the opticians they only know what they want that particular second or the last patient they saw uh, wanted. We're designing at least a year, if not a year and a half out. So we have to crystal ball our designs. Um, we have to sort of sense trends. When I do, I don't do market research in the sense of traditional market research. I go, go like with gay, I go with my gut, what my friends want to wear. My whole line started, my collection started because I wanted to design frames that my friends wanted to wear. And my friends are primarily in the creative industries. We're in the entertainment industry, photographers, graphic designers, architects, and we all have a creative side to what we do, but we also have a business side. And so it was about how do you fuse those two worlds? And that's where the frame within a frame concept came about, is really creating two different aesthetics into one frame. And so at the end of the day, I was going with my gut in terms of what I felt I wanted to wear and certainly what my friends wanted to wear. If you listen to too much chatter, I think you sort of lose your way. And Gay and I have known each other for probably 30 years. She was one of my first clients, actually, because they have a retail store. And they carried my, my previous collection, which was called Kata Eyewear back in the day. And we've stayed friends. And um, when I launched my collection, she's one of the first people to support my brand. And, you know, she's a competitor. She's a friend. We're colleagues. We're on the board of the Council of Fashion Designers of America together. We've done two collaborations together, uh, which is unusual in our industry we're, because we work so, we're so insular in what we do. I think in the entertainment industry, it's much more collaborative. You know, if you're a musician, you can't do it alone. And what we do as eyewear designers, we sort of sit at a desk and draw and draft and do our thing. But we had an opportunity to really fuse our two brands. And as you know, our aesthetics are very different. 
but it came together, I think, in a really magical way uh, where you can definitely see the LAI work side of things. You can see uh, my line, my Blake Quahart uh, sensibility to it. And then we just launched one in June for Pride. And we collaborated together with another LA-based designer, Patty Pereira from Barton Pereira. And we launched a Pride initiative. And we raised $48,000 to go to the LG, LA LGBT Center. So we're very proud of that. So it's, it's been a nice journey with, uh, with Gay. It's fantastic. You mentioned there the, the frame within a frame, which is clearly your signature, I know, because I'm wearing it uh, on, my own, on my own face here. What I love about it, I'm interested to know whether this was part of your thinking. What I love about it is it's a frame which, if you look from afar, it looks great. If you look from up close, it looks different and looks great. It's almost a frame that, that lives. So the number of times people have come up and said, oh my word, there's actually, there's a thing on the top of the bridge. Is that part of your thinking to have frames that, 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 that do live, that, that move as people move? And yeah. I, I really don't mean that pretentiously. You actually made my heart pitter-patter because that's exactly the concept of the brand. And again, it's about bringing those two aesthetics where typically based on the coloration, the inner frame is what people see from afar. And it's wearable, it's sensible, it's sort of your business side of things. And as you get closer, you see that it's not just one frame, but it's two frames. And the outer frame gives its, its nuance and its character and sort of makes something that's very familiar different. It puts a, a very sort of modern twist on it. And that's exactly the concept. That's exactly what I wanted to bring to the market. And without stretching it too far, but I will, just as one last question, you, you, you sell to a lot of creatives. 99% of the creatives I know are introvert extroverts or extrovert introverts. Um, myself, as a, as a presenter, I can be extremely extrovert and extraordinarily introverted. With these frames, it actually creates that impact because you have the extrovert side close up and the introvert classic side from three, four, 10, 20 meters away. Is that, is that part of your thinking as well? Well, can I use that uh, in the future? Because that's <laughs> an amazing way to, to sort of capsulize, you know, exactly the sort of the concept. You know, eyewear can be very um, uh, sort of classic on one hand and uh, very sort of progressive on the other hand in terms of shape, color, form. And there's, uh, I think, a happy place where those things are brought together. We have a client of ours and she said, you know, I carry eyewear in my, in my shop, in my boutique, where people don't want to look like they're wearing eyewear. There's a world for that. There's also eyewear where when the person walks in the door, that's the first thing that they see is the eyewear. She says, what I love about your collection is that the person and the eyewear walk in the room together at the same time. And that's sort of my goal is I want, uh, I don't want the frames to be a replacement for someone's personality. I want our frames to enhance someone's personality. And it's that notion as well, isn't it, of a, of a product, a piece of art, both challenging and also being recognizable and comfortable. I, I think of, yeah, I think of the, the great music I love. The great music I love is, is because I kind of recognize it. it. It takes me to a place I know, but also it pushes me out of that comfort zone. And that must also be at the heart of what you do, creating that, that, that synergy, for want of a better word, between the comfortable and actually the risk taking. You know, it's a, it's a very fine balance, I think. You know, it's interesting. I was reading an article, uh, an interview that Giorgio Armani was, was giving. You know, he's, he's a master of, uh, of his craft, uh, but yet he's still criticized for either not, either being too similar in season after season, 
um, and not take enough risks. And then when he does take risks, people say, well, that's not Giorgio Armani. And I think all of us, and Gay and I have had these conversations before, where we have to straddle this very fine line about bringing newness, but also maintaining continuity of our brand. And I think most designers have that uh, challenge. And I think that's um, what we do. I mean, we're a commercial brand. You know, you're here at a trade show. We sell to retailers. This is not an art gallery. You're not doing one-of-a-kind pieces. That's a very different approach. So we have to be sensitive to what the market needs are, what uh, the trends are, what's commercial. And sometimes commercial is given a bad, bad name, and I don't think it is. We have to, you know, sell. Uh, to be able to do the work that we do. And we also have some pieces in our collection that are maybe more personal, uh, that we want to sort of push the boundaries a little bit, but balance that with pieces that are more wearable. Uh, But we need to have that connectivity, that through line. And I think that's really the important thing that most designers uh, need to, uh, the line that we need to walk. You mentioned that this isn't um, an art fair, this is, this is a trade fair. However, you are a creator, you are a designer. And what I know about creators and designers is that feeling of being exposed, that feeling of, of in effect, showing your baby and coming out of the bubble uh, and showing it to customers here is deeply uncomfortable. There's, there's, a, there's a, a great speech online, Neil Gaiman, the author, who, who talks, about, um, talks about creativity and being an artist. And he says, you only know you're being an artist at that moment where you start to feel really uncomfortable and start to feel outside of your comfort zone. Only then are you starting to be an artist. And that's a big part of your life, isn't it? That, that moment where your, your ideas become a product and the product is, is placed in front of people and they express an opinion and you're out your comfort zone. You sort of really hit the nail on the head in terms of you know being at trade shows like this because it's so vulnerable. I feel so vulnerable and so exposed. And these are my friends, or my colleagues, or customers, but they're here to judge because they judge with their buying power and what they turn over and what they want in their stores. And you know, there's a whole host of reasons why they may not pick a particular style. You know, whether that's financial, there's room, you know, there's not enough room on their shelves, whatever. But at the same time, they're making judgments, they're making choices. And so, when I come to trade shows, I'm here to see friends and to see our customers, and I love that part. Um, but when it comes to when they start to open up a tray, I leave <laughs> like, a, like a coward because I don't want to see what they buy. And when I'm in a position where I actually have to present my collection, I feel extremely vulnerable, um, you know, because like you said, it exposes you. Uh, but at the same time, you know, our, I think our clients and our, our relationships are so strong that, you know, it's, it's very supportive in a way. So that's been very, a very positive thing about the experience. Blake, bearing in mind that you're with me pretty well from about 10 minutes after I wake up till, well, I would say 10 minutes before I go to sleep. It's been really lovely to meet you. It's nice being sitting on your face. I mean... <laughs> There's Blake Kuwahara wrapping up these episodes from Silmo Paris 2022. I really loved getting to know the optics industry family and I do hope you've enjoyed these podcasts too. Don't forget to subscribe to this series to be notified of all future episodes of The Right Optics. And if you'd like to feature in one of these episodes or if you've got an idea for something we should cover, do get in touch either via silmoparis.com or through one of the Silmo Paris social media channels. Silmo Paris itself will be back in 2023 right at the end of September. But from Silmo 2022, 22 is goodbye from me.